Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now... And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. If Cranach were to put his proverbial foot down, it would go up to, I would say, beyond his kneecap in snow, depending on what drift he's deciding to party in. Hope you're doing well. We're streaming this morning. And uh, just for future reference, tell a buddy about Hale Varsity Radio Weekend Edition, the Hale Varsity YouTube, the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed, at HVarsity Radio is where you can follow us. You can watch the show on KFOR Facebook and can give KFOR Radio a follow on Twitter as well. Kradak, you are bundled up. Elijah, you're in the home studio today. And the home uh, studio you, is my kitchen table. Similar well, to you. <laughs> sure. I was being, I was being nice. Uh, it, just like mine. I like my home studio as well. Guys, but, wait, one, one second here. Continue, Schmitty. I need to go get a, a gray beanie. I'll get, I'll be right back. I need to oh, yeah, get, get a great and get a hoodie with thicker strings, bro. Right. Like, come on. Right. Yes. Thicker strings. You got thin strings. You know? <laughs> I can do that. What is going on with that? Uh, yeah. Weather sucks. I'm looking out right now, and the drifting is uh, kind of magical uh, when you look it's at my cool neighbor. looking. Yeah, until you try and get through it. Yeah. We had to park Mama's vehicle on the side of the street last night because we couldn't get through the driveway. Yeah. Uh, so it was just uh, problematic. Uh, the weather sucks. Uh, be safe and cautious and careful. That wind chill is no joke out there. And uh, kind of a, a bummer last night, Cranack, for Nebraska fans. Great week with Nebraska shocking and rocking Purdue. Great week with portal additions. Uh, when we talk Nebraska football, some big-time positions of need. You get an offensive lineman. You get a running back over the weekend. You get both receivers. And you get a linebacker. Uh, shopping list complete. Yeah. And then you fast forward to Friday, and Iowa just too tough at, at the Bob Devaney Sports Center uh, wrestling. That was uh, tough, and uh, you know Nebraska will try and bounce back from that. And then eight thirty last night, tip off. I commend Nebraska basketball for coming back. They actually took the lead before the under sixteen timeout in the second half. They were up fifty-one to fifty, and then Iowa switches to a zone and. Everything goes to hell, and Nebraska gets drilled by almost 20 by Iowa, and uh, Nebraska have to regroup for Rutgers. So uh, what started out and has been a great week, uh, you had a little slap of reality, much like this freaking winter storm uh, Friday night. 
Listen, I, I didn't play basketball competitively growing up. Shocker, I know. But I did not. So what I'm saying here, I, I don't fully know why. And and maybe I'm missing something. But why is it Nebraska last night, but they're not alone, when somebody decides to spring a 2-3 zone or a 3-2 zone that a team's just like, oh, my God. They have no, they have no idea how to solve it. It's like there's not that many defenses that you're going to face. Like, why does it shock the other team so much, and then they just they don't know how to address it? Because it's the same every time, right? Like when you go against a a, a certain defensive look, you have an answer for it. Iowa springs that two three, and Nebraska acts like they've never seen one before. That the ball the ball just starts sticking. They're just going from. They're just going from like wing to wing, passing the ball. Like, I don't know. What do we do? It's like, it's a two, three. Like, what do you do? Let's take another three and have it clank. It's so amazing. Like, why is that in basketball, though? It's not just Nebraska. Like, it should not be that much of a curveball that it just completely suffocates a team for like five possessions until they figure it out. Elijah, did you play? Like, why does that happen to teams? I, I didn't play much basketball, but I've played enough pickup. Uh, to know that whenever the other team does spring a two-three zone on you or a three-two zone, whatever you whatever you want, the the shot is not a contested three-pointer. That is not the the shot that you want to be putting up there. You you want to be getting looks at the rim and in the mid-range. I mean, back cuts. I, I feel like that was a pretty standard drill that we ran, even in my limited like two years of basketball. Like, oh, two-three zone, we're going to get the ball to the high post, or we're going to back cut the hell out of them. Like, I, I'm pretty sure that was a a pretty standard play. That I don't think I saw Nebraska run. And maybe that's not how Fred Hoiberg wants to attack a 2-3 zone. But I remember that working with a lot of success for my my 10-year-old basketball team. So it must work for Nebraska, right? Skip pass reversals are important because you try to get the zone moving into one direction like a blob. And then, you, you know, you, I'm just like, why did that? Why did that just completely flummox them? Like, it's just I, I just think from a mentality last night, they, they had been such a – hot shooting squad the last two 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 outings specifically that mm-hmm. I mean, they feel like this is who we are we're a team that can hit some three pointers and it's not going to be hot every night i understand that but they just refuse to to try and penetrate and get downhill um and it was more choice and selection i mean because iowa <laughs> iowa had really no answer when nebraska would try and get it going into the paint. I mean, at one point, Nebraska, I think, was 23 or 28 uh, inside the arc. I mean, Rink really got going with that. Uh, Josiah Alec had a great game last night when they'd penetrate and dish. I mean, it was a dunk fest for him. And, I mean, Williams had a tough night. Uh, Jamarcus Lawrence, man, is a talented kid, and I love his, his shooting ability, but he – is somebody that I think is is shot hunting right now. I only I know we only took minimal shots last night, but just are you taking good shots? There's still a little bit of a mountain to climb maturity wise. And look, Nebraska's not going to win every road game in the Big Ten. I know it's difficult, and I know Iowa's a lot of teams are struggling with that in the Big Ten. They, right, yeah. Iowa had won four out of five after scuffling early, so maybe this is just that course correction that uh, you're going to have to deal with. We'll get to Brandon Vogel here in just a minute. We got to do it just roll felt call. Like, though, 
Shmitty, before you get to roll call, it just felt like a game that was there for the taking. Sure. No, absolutely. Once, once you come back, take the lead 51 to 50, took a game and you had the momentum. Felt like a game that was there for the taking. Then Iowa goes to the 2-3 zone. Maybe Hoiberg should have taken a timeout to stem the tide, but then it's just all Iowa from that point on. They, they get a couple of stops. They get some buckets. Boom, the lead's 10, and ugh, Nebraska just didn't look like they wanted to be in Iowa City anymore. Now, the... The, the night and day defense of intensity is is real. I mean, you saw how jacked it was Purdue for Purdue. You saw a certain level against Indiana, and you saw the opposite against uh, Iowa. <laughs> and a uh, really tough night for Nebraska. Roll call. So if you're new to the show, we do this uh, not only during the week, but also weekend edition the starting five, the top five, or the first five, I should say, of folks in the stream. We say your name and shout you out. And oh, so I like our that. starting five. Yeah, it's our starting five. Brandon, I think we've done that a lot on the weekends. No, this is the we, new we, weekend tradition. Yeah, and, and and folks are getting in early, early. I mean, Brandon was, quite frankly, first in the stream. Brandon, the show. for reference, us. I, I created this stream. Brandon beat me. So I, I create the stream. I hop in, get my camera all set up, and Brandon's already saying he's number one. It was yeah. it was incredible performance from Brandon this morning. The, Brandon, the other listeners, they, they have some serious, serious work to do if they want to catch up with Brandon. No, I know. Uh, Tim uh, checks in. Uh, Crazy Spider Adventures, and he wants to know that he, uh, he would have been in uh, first last Saturday except for my idiocy of oh, being late. So – we got Brandon, we have Tim, we have Crazy Spider Adventures. Uh, Rick <laughs> checks in and, and at um, number four, which is cool. And uh, then we get into uh, to Roger. Roger in at number five. And just for, hey, thank you. Uh, Andrew is six. Jacko is seven. And Crew checks in and Crew nailed it yesterday. He said the lock of the year was Iowa. Laying, <laughs> laying the points last night against Uh-oh. Nebraska basketball. Yeah. Uh, so there's our, our starting five plus two. There's our rotation. So, yeah, yeah we do starting five shout-outs uh, here on the Hale Varsity Show. Rick was uh, Rick was asking who was the freshman off the bench. I want to get to that real quick. That's Eli Rice, and he was one of Nebraska's He did top, great. He was one of Nebraska's top recruits in a while, actually. He's 6'8", he's, I think. Yeah, highly ranked. He's sort of uh, – I would put him – he's pretty similar to Roby in terms of build, size, style. Against Doan, which, yes, it was Doan, that not a lot of people saw, exhibition. Rice got quite a bit of playing time, and he filled it up. I mean, <laughs> the, dude, the dude can score. Uh, he can move pretty well. I've, frankly, I've been a little surprised that he hasn't played this year based on, again, it was Doan. But just he looked like he belonged. And I thought he looked like he belonged last night too when I had to – you know, rewind and watch some of it. I missed some of the first half, but that looks like he can play at this level, doesn't he? And then it's, yeah. it's kind of crazy that you haven't seen a lot of him until yesterday. He he came in and, and provided a nice spark. So your shot selection was garbage, or at least your execution was not good from three last night. One for 10 in the first half. I think he went four for 24 and he kept shooting them. Secondly, your perimeter defense and Iowa just – Nebraska doubles the post. They try and recover to close out defensively. And Iowa played around the world and 
catch, shoot, three, rinse, repeat. We welcome in Brandon Vogel with Counter Reed, counterreed.com. Vogues is hunkered down. Vogues, um, I'll send you a screenshot of the backyard. It's glorious. Uh, there's an at at in, in my backyard. Uh, I know you and I are both fans of Empire Strikes Back. Uh, that is the uh, the Planet Hoth outlook today. Nebraska basketball, Nebraska volleyball. So can you share with Husker fans the, the next portal edition that uh, you have your ears on for Counter Reed? Can you cheer some big red fans up this morning? Tough Friday. <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, I don't I don't if I if I knew um, I'd, I'd probably be able to to turn that into uh, some sort of college service uh, if, I, if I was the <laughs> accurate, accurate portal predictor. But uh, rough Friday, uh, maybe just maybe just a, a rough week overall, minus at least post Tuesday in terms of the weather you guys got. And then uh Nebraska goes to Iowa, which <laughs> we've, we've all spent a lot of time talking and I wrote about it a little bit this week about, you know, your nature as a Nebraska basketball follower is like you wait for the other shoe to drop. Yep. And that's kind of my nature anyway, from a statistical standpoint and kind of wrote about some of the things that well, maybe, maybe this Nebraska piece is sustainable. And I, and I do think it, it probably is, it probably is more than just one game scenario, but you go to Iowa in the middle of a snowstorm. It's a small crowd. You're, you're coming off the Purdue, not making, not making excuses because that's, that's kind of what was really lost last night is like, you know what? You have all of these reasons that this could be kind of a sleepy game and good teams find a way to do it anyway. Like it's, it's easy to come back off the Wisconsin. Well, I shouldn't say it's easy. It's easier come back off the Wisconsin loss, have a great two days of practice to get up for the number one team in the country. This is harder. And, and Nebraska, Nebraska didn't pass the harder test shot 60% from three against Purdue, 15% against Iowa puts them at 36 over the two games. Anyone want to guess what their season percentage is? It's about 35. Mm-hmm. The numbers, the numbers, sometimes they come for us all. It doesn't always work that neatly, <laughs> but in this case yeah. it did. Yeah. And Brandon Vogel with us. And uh, now, Brandon, it, did you play basketball growing up as a as a Tyke in Hemingford? And you were one of the better basketball players from that region, if I recall. Correct? University yeah. of Hastings starting right. point guard. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> far, far from far from the starting point guard. I, my career capped out. I, I was a thousand point scorer in high school. Uh, okay. Made it okay. that far. Then you can explain because you're the only one on here that has played competitive <laughs> basketball. How many how shots come? did you? How many shots did you take to get the thousand Vogues? That was on six hundred shots. Shot an extremely high percentage. I love that. That's so good. <laughs> okay, how come? How come? How come when a team springs a two-three zone, and this isn't just Nebraska last night. This is basketball across the board. Like teams that are well conditioned that practice every day that have like Hall of Fame coaches. Somebody springs a two-three zone on you, and it's like ah. <laughs> and they just don't know how to deal with it. Why? Why is it such a shock to the system, and why does it just completely shut you down as an offense for at least like three, four, five possessions every time? That's a great question, and one I hadn't thought about much because when you start playing basketball at six, seven, eight, whatever it is, the first defense you see, you probably spend ninety percent of your first six years playing basketball just seeing a two-three zone because it's like easy to explain to to a kid um and 
you know, I think, I think maybe some of those tendencies from the very early days are still there. Like you game plan, you have all of these things at your disposal as a major college team, but it becomes easy to kind of stop moving and, and, and wait around against a zone. Um, I think that's kind of the primary advantage. I don't know if I have a better explanation other than that, because at this stage, like, you know how to attack it. You've, you've been taught, um, what what you're going to do against zone and it shouldn't even be that unexpected like any team can jump into a two three zone you don't have to be vintage syracuse to to do it well right um so i don't know just uh i mean i think when you when you look at that iowa game and and you boil it down like the shooting the defense that's all that's all a big part of it like ultimately the effort it, it was lacking for Nebraska, and that's uh, I don't know if it, it needs a needs a much more elegant description than that. And also, having played competitively like that, uh, I mean, it, it was obvious their legs were dead, like yeah. right, like there's, there's just, and that happens, right, especially in basketball. Like after a, they gave maximum effort against Purdue. I mean, those dudes were sweating bullet. All of them were drenched in sweat. Crazy amount of effort. I mean, is it is it maybe as simple as that? Like the guys just not recovered, gave too much effort. I don't know. It could be a little bit of that. Uh, I know Hoiberg mentioned it after that that Purdue game of like, hey, this is another tight turnaround for us. You know, I think another thing um, is Nebraska hasn't won on the road in the Big Ten. I don't think if I'm remembering their schedule correctly, they went on the road. They are zero and three on the yeah. road. Only Wisconsin is has a. Uh, above 500 record on the road. Everybody yep. else is either one and one or worse in the Big Ten on the road in conference. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's that's at least a little bit better. <laughs> at least it, it might be a Big Ten thing to a certain degree. But, hey, if uh, – yeah, Jocko. Um, if if Nebraska is going to be an NCAA tournament team, like they're going to have to figure out a way. And in games like this, where the motivation doesn't come off the shelf, uh, maybe the legs are a little bit heavy to to win away from home because that you know that's kind of another it kind of bookends uh, or echoes the that Purdue game. Like it's easy to get up for the one, number one team in the country, especially easy to do it at home. Um, Nebraska really feeds off those those crowds, which is credit to Husker fans, but. You want to be, you want to be good. You want to be top half in the Big Ten. You got to win some of these games that are are ugly and and not a lot of fun. You know, Iowa may put a bit of a run together, and I know this is somewhat of a rebuilding Iowa team. And I'm uh, Nebraska. I think is still okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you look, it's hoops, man. It's very yeah. You, you look, you look a little bit like a one hit wonder. Okay, versus. Stacking the um, the the wins and going on the road after after shocking number one, but um, they're okay. They got to regroup for Rutgers and play better. And it, you know, if you lose and Iowa shoots lights out on contested threes, that's one thing. If you uh, have bad rotation and and, to, and worse shot selection, that's what pisses Nebraska basketball fans off and just Nebraska fans in general. Uh, and We'll see if they get better at it. Vogues, I want to get your take on uh, the polar bear and, and Iowa-Nebraska wrestling last night. Uh, I respect the hell out of wrestling. I don't know it as well as some other sports. My brother-in-law, Uncle Andy, went and he actually sat with uh, 
Polar Bear's dad. They were they went to the match last night, and you know it was one to one. And then at the last second, uh, the Iowa dude got the the win, and that was that was uh, Polar Bear's first loss in his life. Uh, <laughs> I, I I'm I'm shocked to, to utter that outside, but it happened. Yeah, it it did happen. Um, great. I was only able to catch pieces of it, um, but great overall duel. I mean, Nebraska's number four in the country. I I often think for much of the Big Ten era, well, particularly lately, you know, I think there was a little bit of an adjustment period. What Mark Manning does with that team on an annual basis is it, – it's a little bit easy to overlook if you're not, like, seeking it out. Um, you know, wrestling – it's not a sport that I know as well, in fact, as a – part of the reason I, I played so much basketball is because I was terrified of wrestling. Not afraid to admit, not afraid to admit that. Um, but um, I did wrestle for a couple of years. It was not, not a fun time for me. Um, is, you know, wrestling is kind of outside that typical news cycle, but also in, in the big 10, Iowa and Penn state are such kind of Titans yeah. of, of the sport. That that Nebraska could be number four, and, you know, and it can it can give Iowa everything it wants, and, and not just quite get over the hump, you know, um, beating one of those two programs in, in a in a match like that or a meet like that is probably you know then we might see Nebraska get get its due. Although it's kind of hard to say that when you see the number of people that are showing up to these these home duels. I know Aaron Sorensen, my colleague at Counter Read, spoke with with Manning earlier this year and. You know, if Nebraska could, they're they're limited on the number of duels they can host. And I know that's not an issue, but a sticking point, like because Nebraska could could draw a ton of people for wrestling if they if they I mean, they already do. But if they had more home dates, um, Big Ten schedule just doesn't kind of allow for it at the moment. I I don't know enough about wrestling, too. I think we've all established that we are not wrestling experts here, Uh, but in the Twitter sphere and elsewhere last night saw a lot of complaints about Nebraska's conditioning level compared to Iowa's. I, again, I know you don't know enough about wrestling, <laughs> but from what you saw agree with that, is there something, is there something to that? That seemed to be a pretty consistent criticism. Yeah. I, I honestly don't, don't know well enough because <laughs> I, I kind of come in like the average person. I think the person I was just men- mentioning, like, Iowa's quality is just kind of assumed, um, sure. given their given their track record. So, I'll, I'll leave that to the people who probably watch way more college wrestling than than I do. Um, but you know, like it's it's unfortunate for Nebraska not to not to kind of get one finally against the Hawkeyes. But I don't look at that result and be like, oh, that that was unfortunate or unfair. You know, minus minus the fact that Iowa came away with a team win, I kind of look at it as that's that's a pretty solid result for for a team. You know, it, it looked like it looked like a duel between two of the top five teams in the country. Hmm. Right. Whenever you look at, at wrestling and, and basketball last night, football uh, just a couple of months ago, that where the Iowa women's team is at right now, is it time for Trev Alberts to evaluate where Iowa is as a program when making decisions <laughs> about the Husker athletic department? Never again. <laughs> that didn't go so well last time, but I, I see your point. Um, I mean, we got volleyball. Uh, I still never, still never beat Nebraska in volleyball. There's, there's that. Um, but I mean, 
it's 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 an interesting question. I know you know it was a little bit tongue in cheek, but when you when you stop and look at it, like, are we still twelve or thirteen years into this? Like, just looking at the advantage of having been in the Big Ten versus being a newcomer. I mean, Nebraska doesn't feel like a newcomer, but it's had so much change, you know, at, at various levels and positions. Not just AD, but that's the big one since 2011 maybe there's something to it maybe it's just you know i was i was made some 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 better better decisions when it's when it's had the opportunity to i mean not having having football as a constant i think is not having to change coaches outside of the offensive coordinator um is is probably an underrated thing when you look at the overall health of athletic departments that's my theory anyway the old words of Sean Eichhorst for those that are under mm-hmm. 10 years old that might not know that. Uh, yeah. you know, it was 2014, had to ev- evaluate where I was at. Okay, when, when we switch to football and look at it um, in the transfer portal, in the NIL era, you know, I was trying to explain that to a, to a friend that doesn't follow football very well, just like how much of a Wild West it is right now to where, you know, the, uh, I, I guess the, the, the world order of college football is up for grabs. Um, for many reasons, and we still got to get into all the coaching changes that have been happening too. But sick of just with NIL, just with transfer portal, you know, Nebraska needed to get receiver help clearly, needed to replace some linebacking play clearly, uh, needed to find a, a running back, definitely. Um, could use some help on the offensive line. They did all of it. I mean, it was like, it was like a bulleted list. It was, it was like best case scenario of what Nebraska wanted to do in the transfer portal actually happened. I don't know yeah. if you could expect that in the non-NIL era. What do you make of what Nebraska was able to just acquire uh, here in the last well, couple of weeks? Just, just what you said, you know, with the, the week that the portal opened, I kind of put together what I thought the punch list was. And at that point, it was pre Dylan Riola. So, so quarterback was at the top. Um, if, if we assume, and I think this is the way the coaching staff is going, that Riola checks that box without going into the portal. Then next on the list was wide receiver. I think my middle group was kind of running back O-line and linebacker, and they hit all of those. The rest was kind of like, uh, if you find a guy um, who, who you really like, you'll take them, but you don't need to. So... In terms of in terms of the checklist, uh, I think they I think they they ticked every box. They did it, you know. I think with with their way, um, you know, they didn't they didn't do a bunch of chasing. They had that kind of big visit weekend um, last weekend, and that's where the bulk of the class comes from. Um, like got them all. Yep. Yeah. Got them all. Perfect. Uh, so, you know, it's, I think it speaks well to their ability to, well, obviously their ability to close, um, but also to get people on, on campus. And, you know, it was, these, these weren't on campus visits back when Nebraska was uh, checking on the quarterbacks, but they got into some conversations with guys reportedly, uh, you know, based on where we knew they, the coaches were at with guys. I was a little bit surprised they got into conversations with. So all in all, I think in terms of the curb appeal uh, in this portal era for, for Nebraska football after year one uh, feels, feels pretty strong. Folks, with us here, a Husker hangover Saturday on Hale varsity radio and, 
Brandon, whenever you look back to where we're at December 1st, it really feels like Nebraska's filled all the holes that we had laid out. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver. Those are kind of the, the, the top spots. And hey, if you get an offensive lineman too, that'd be great. Nebraska's filled those holes. With that being said, what question marks still remain for you on this Husker roster as you look at the, the totality of the roster? What, what do you want to see more of in the spring? Where do you think we might see some help coming if you had to, to, to pick a spot where there are still question marks for you? Um, I mean, I, I don't look at the roster and go going into spring uh, and say, well, you, you're, you don't have enough depth. I mean, I think I think spring is really going to be for me at least about two things. Is I, I don't have concerns about depth because of how much the staff has talked about sort of the younger group of guys. I mean, we saw more than we typically do play right away, but there are still a good number of guys in reserve. So there's you know I don't know a third of the roster when you factor in redshirt freshmen and and however many early enrollees they they end up with. Um, that's kind of unseen. Um, but I think from the guys that we did see play as true freshmen, you feel good about the, the quality of the class so far. Now we understand that that's the top end. That's why they play right away. But I think that was encouraging. The other huge question, I think, and this probably determines what happens in the late April transfer window is, is what do we see at quarterback? Like does, you know, they've got a, they've got a lot invested in, and not just literally, but figuratively a lot invested in, in Dylan Raiola. And that makes sense, you know, based on who he is, his, his skill set, what we think we know about him as a high school player. Um, how does that play out? Does it look like, yep. Uh, everything we thought it was, uh, does that, if that's the case, does it lead to further attrition at that position? Um, so I think like, pointing towards April. We'll see what happens in spring. Um, Nebraska will probably have an addition or two to make in that window. Um, and, and we'll see, but going into spring, there's nothing that jumps out to me is like with the additions that they've made that says, Oh, you're going to need, you're going to need more help. There. You've got a plug and play guy in, in Mizuka at guard, right? You were wondering about that other guard spot or you, you, you wanted to make an addition there. You got Dowdell at running back. You've got two older guys that are different but wonderful body types with Nayor, uh, kind of your jet sweep guy, and Banks, your Brendan Kitty. Let's go lock somebody up on third and eight and find a way to get to the sticks. Uh, and then you got uh, Thompson at linebacker that started as a freshman. Uh, the other dude out there on the radar is a freshman from USC at linebacker that Nebraska may be looking at. This is a great collection by by rule and staff. They're on the recruiting trail, weather permitting, uh, you know, for 2025 right now for some visits. Um, Vogues, is it going to just come down to turnovers again? Because you've got some nice pieces um, and you're going to bring in a quarterback's coach. You might have an analyst named Dana. I mean, it, it. I mean, Nebraska isn't joking around with the targeting they've done in the portal, and then what they presumably want to do uh, to to beef up their their offense. Yeah, um, you know, the thing that, aside from just how neatly it kind of fit the the checklist of what Nebraska needed, the thing that I like about this class is other than Dowdell. 
Um, there's proven production there from all of those guys. And I'm in the process of putting together kind of a big uh, spreadsheet on transfers, you know, not, not just in Nebraska, but broadly um, power five, at least to kind of see what works. Like, what is it? Is it, you know, the, the guys who were highly recruited, maybe didn't find the right spot, um, but you thought were talented coming out or are you better off, you know, what what do guys who are maybe moving up a level or you know had nearly a thousand yard seasons at at out of Wyoming? Um, the proven production piece of it uh, matters a lot to me, and I guess I'm going out to find to find the numbers that <laughs> will either say yeah that's that's the right way or it's the wrong way. Um, so that'll be coming at some point this month on on counter read. But yeah. does it just come down to turnovers? Uh, I mean. Boy, wouldn't it be great if Nebraska just had a season where they're like plus minus two, something normal, just normal, normal, yep. yeah. Which like, you know would would be a huge improvement from a year a year ago. Like if that happens, you know, we'd be talking about how much Nebraska improved in that regard. Much less if you know they ended up plus six, seven, eight, something like that. Um, that's that's a big piece of any season. I mean, I think the the big one for me too will be just be what what level of quarterback player you're gonna get. And, and that's the one that you theoretically have some control over based on the guys you select and the instruction you give them. Um, so we'll see. Like I said, I mean, Dylan Riola as a five-star, like this isn't something we deal with <laughs> almost never at, at Nebraska. Uh-huh. Um, so it's almost, it's, you haven't seen the five-star flameouts, but you also haven't seen the five-star success stories. It's tough to have a local comparison for it, but those guys are five stars for a reason. Like they start out with a higher expectation. Yeah. Brandon Vogel with us. And Brandon, if we zoom way out and look at college football, I think we've observed over the years that, hey, once the transfer portal and NIL became a thing, it's like those kind of benefit Nebraska. Nebraska will Nebraska will have some money for this thing. Um, so that's good. But now you look at what's happening at the very top of the food chain with Nick Saban retiring. And the trickle down effect that's going to have. What do you think that does to the college football world order over the next few years? And does Nebraska benefit from some of these musical chairs? Um, it, it definitely has. I, I mean, I think any team that's in Nebraska's position where you're trying to be, well, I mean, the, the model's changing too of like, can you be one of 12 best teams or 11 best power power five teams like get to the playoff, I think is going to become our new marker. Um, so that helps a Nebraska, a usurper, um, a, a program that needs to, to clear some hurdles to, to be part of that group. Again, um, I think anytime you have a coaching change at uh, in Alabama, or this was true when urban Meyer left Ohio state. And I mean, Ryan day's record is insane. For, for any place, but, you know, at, at a place like Ohio State, it's like, well, you lost to Michigan three times. Uh, people are starting to get a little bit antsy. It just introduces uncertainty at a place, Alabama, where there was none. I mean, that's what Saban did to you. Like the seven titles, of course, speak to speak to what he did, but they were Alabama was just a given. And, and that doesn't happen very often. And, you know talked about it a lot over the past year and a half uh, on this show. Like you won't find a bigger Kalen DeBoer fan than, than me. Um, so I think Alabama did as well as they could when you're trying to replace a Nick Saban, but 
you just look at his record. I think his winning percentage is like eighty seven percent, something close to that. Like odds are the next guy's just not going to do do that. I mean, Kellen DeBoer could be great, win eighty percent of his games, and that's probably good enough. But it's still going to be like, well, it, it's 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 more losses than than Alabama has been used to, which is insane to say. So mm-hmm. more immediately, um, it made Washington weaker. <laughs> New. Yep new conference conference foe and and we'll see it looks like well, i'll be interested in what the huskies are able to do to replace DeBoer because it looks like the knock-on effect which i thought had the potential to be massive with with saban but if it goes saban DeBoer, and uh washington ends up with somebody like a barry odom which i don't think would be a bad hire um you know maybe it ends with unlv but it's there's it, it opens things up, I guess, is the short answer. Sorry, that was a very long one. Um, but I, I think about this stuff a lot. You introduce uncertainty at the top program over the past decade and a half. Uh, it impacts the Big Ten directly. Those things, none, neither of those things are bad for a team like Nebraska or anyone else that's trying to get there. Vogues, are you surprised or not at all? I mean, I think anyone who looks at that Alabama job. And you had Lanning and you had Sark probably get an overture. Uh, one guy's from the SEC that's done really well at Oregon in a short time. Great mentality and kind of tough-nosed approach for a Pac-12. Um, you know, Tuck uh, makes a biblical reference. <laughs> he, he probably isn't that far off. But are you surprised DeBoer jumped at this? And on one coin side of the coin, I'm not because like that's that's been him. The guy has climbed the ladder and grinded it out. He paid his dues and he's been amazing. So he has absolutely earned this and he is getting paid uh, and he was getting paid at Washington. But it was like four point two million, which still sounds awesome. Um, are you surprised he, he, he left Washington? for Bama because of that shadow of Saban or the shadow of Alabama, or is this right up his uh, wheelhouse uh, from, from what you've been able to glean or, or observe from DeBoer? Uh, I think it's a great hire by Bama, but the expectation of the fan base is this monster he's going to have to keep at bay. Yeah, um, I would have put – I would have put DeBoer in the same kind of category I would have put Lanning in where those guys both have gotten things going at good football schools on the West coast at a very quick level. Um, You know, we're already seeing a lot of people think Oregon might be the favorite in the big 10 next year. Washington wasn't going to be that. They had a lot to replace, Um, but they were both guys that I kind of, they had this thing where it's like, they might just be happy there. And, And, you know, the following Saban piece of it, might be a, a determining factor there with Sarkeesian at Texas. Um, what can't he do at Texas that he could do at Alabama? And you get to avoid the whole, I'm not following, following the legend, the Norvell piece of it. Like, um, you just want to, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good point. That was kind of where that starts. And also he has the same agent as Nick Saban, uh, <laughs> the three people getting massive raises out of this. I don't think Lanning has yet, um, it, which unless I, I, I missed it, but uh, 
three people. Well, Norvell and Sark got big raises. DeBoer, huge raise, and got the Alabama job, all represented by the same guy. Curious how that works. Who also Ooh. represented Nick Saban. Lanning, Ooh. not represented by Jimmy Sexton. Um, so that's a little inside baseball. But there were – I think there were two types of coaches who could handle the Saban piece of this. And, and, and it's there. There's a Lane Kiffin type or, you know, I, I don't think this was ever reality, but like a coach Deion Sanders where they're just like, like, we don't care. Like we're, we're just, we do what we do. We're very confident in like who we are and we're just going to be that way. Or you go the like pure football guy route. And I think that's DeBoer. Like, it's going to be different. You know, Nick Saban was often portrayed as like cranky and obsessively focused. And he was those things. But you watch some of his like appearances, his coaching shows, like he could go out and talk to people and relate to people. Uh, DeBoer might have a harder time with that. He's just more reserved. He's he's more Midwestern, <laughs> I guess, might be might be a way to put it. I, I, I very much understand where he's he's coming from with that. But his ability to just make it about football, I think, will help him in with with that piece of it. And then last thought here before we get you out, we get to Gary Sharp. He's hanging out in the green room. What is your take on the, the stature of this Washington job as they move into the, the Big Ten? What type of job is this following up DeBoer now? You're kind of going to be in his shadow after he leads you to a college football playoff. What type of job is that? <laughs> Well, I mean, they've, they've got a history, so they've, they've made a couple of playoffs now, um, made it the national championship game this time. You, you've got a history of recent winning. It's a program that's won a national title or at least shared one. Um, the biggest thing, though, I think, is it's it's a program that's that's in the Big Ten. And we're already seeing the like the power to thing come. We all knew it was. Look at any of the way too early top 25s. They're like 80%. SEC or Big Ten. Uh, look at the hires made in the Big Ten this year for a Michigan State. Good program, down a bit, bruised. Um, gets gets Jonathan, Jonathan Smith, who is doing an amazing job at a hard place to win at Oregon State. Indiana pulls, I think, one of the coups of the carousel in, in getting Signetti from Indiana. I, in no way did I think they were going to land a coach like that. So I think we're seeing it. I think we're we're seeing the the impact of the Big Ten and the SEC just have such an inside track on those eleven playoff spots that guys that you wouldn't necessarily think of are are going to look hard when they've got an opportunity to get in either of those conferences. Vogues, tell folks about Counter Read. How can they subscribe? How can they get signed up? Yeah, you just visit us at counterread.com. That's our Substack newsletter from from myself and Aaron Sorensen. Um, we do two things, two paid things a week for for paid subscribers. You'll see some stuff on social from us, uh, other free newsletters to to let people get exposed to to what we're doing over there. But it's uh, we called it Counter Read for a reason. We're trying to run counter to uh, you know a little bit of the never ending news cycle and and, and really do some fewer stories but really dig in and, and get get passionate about what we're what we're doing and what we're covering because uh, that's what nebraska fans are you know uh, uh it, with with all husker sports so that's kind of the short pitch but uh you can you can head over to counterread.com and, and check that out and just give us a give us a give us a follow and uh you can see what that's all about Bogues, appreciate you brother thanks for all your insight and, and the time this morning thanks guys have a good one thanks brandon all right, good to spend time with uh, Brandon Vogel. The Iron Horse is 
uh, bundled up. Get the memo with us. Yeah, hey, hey, boys. Hey, uh, Beanie Saturday. Uh, the other Brian says uh, Bloody Marys for all my friends. That Gary, sounds damn tasty this morning. A Gary, can we can we see your strings on your hoodie? We got thick strings. Me and Chris, thin string. Elijah, where you at? Thick. thick. Yes, I've got. Yeah. Uh, I'm representing the Chiefs today. Are you going oh. down tonight or no? Yeah, no, basketball. I have basketball duty at the same time. But I uh, would you though? Like, yes. would you? Yes. So no, you no. Know, I In would. this crap. Yes. So a friend oh, of mine. Um, not that we, we share some tickets for Chiefs games. <laughs> no, here's it's not the that deal. important. No, no. Hey, look at you talking. Did you not go to the uh, Nebraska Oklahoma Big Twelve Big Twelve Championship game in Hell that no. stadium? Hell no. I thought you did. I, did. I was I in did a not. sweet yeah. though. Hey, this is this is what you have to do. First of all, no. it's your football team. It's a playoff game. It might have been the last. It, I mean, might be the last time you see him play. You just got to put a little Vaseline on your face. You go and get some cardboard and memory foam so you can stand on it. You get the coveralls. You're fine. Jeez, we we all stick together the in most kinds of ways. Great take. Most don't it's don't forget feet. the most important part: uh, a healthy amount of Jack Daniels. Flash. Elijah's going with the flask. Yeah. I mean, have, we've all heard the stories of uh, trips to the Big 12 championship game in that stadium, right? No. I, mean, I, I went as a you – know, I covered it, so but I was not outside. I, one of my favorite stories is – What's your story? Uh, a guy, a, a good friend of mine who, who was smart and moved to a warmer weather state a long time ago, he said, I went to the game. He goes, we were up in the upper level of Arrowhead. He goes, it was absolutely miserable. He goes, but I'm glad that I went. He goes, my face was still frozen by the time we got off of 29 to uh, go to Lincoln there in Nebraska City. He goes, I went into, I think he said it was a Casey's. I'm not sure what it is now. And he goes, nobody said a word, but everybody knew where you just came from because everybody's face was frozen and it looked like it was bleeding. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. No. No. That face paint, shut up. (laughs) Well, I mean, look at look at Mark. Did you go to the Wisconsin game last year? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, so what this is pointing out is that Mark is a wuss. Did you go to the Mark is gonna Mark is gonna survive? Did you go to the Iowa game in fifteen? No, God no. Oh no, yeah, no, no. I did go to that one. I did go to that one. Tommy Armstrong wishes you would have. I went to that one, and I was up in the. East Stadium expansion, my my typical seats where you have zero protection from whatever the hell the elements are, and that that sucked, man. <laughs> that, was that that was that because everybody, everybody was standing on ice, you know. Oh. Uh, yeah, that was that was a rough one. Yeah, look, but I, but I, I understand I, supporting I, your team, but like when it's like literally a wind chill advisory and literally like don't go outside for more than eleven seconds, you might lose an arm, <laughs> like. I don't know if I want to stand out there for four hours. This yeah, it's five, probably. It, it is a, it a little bit miserable, but I mean, I, I like supporting my team. I think we'll see a day in the NFL. I mean, we've already seen that, you know, games are on uh, streaming services, a playoff game. I wonder if we'll get to a point where the NFC and AFC championship games will be at a dedicated site so that mm. you can guarantee good weather. I hope yeah. they never do that because I think there's – there's the the drive to get home field advantage. And if, you know, you're Kansas City compared to Miami, win your division, okay? And then you can play in a stadium that is built to bake the opposing team. Yeah, Brandon comes in, going to be negative 18 at kickoff. Yeah, it's going to be miserable. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be awful. And, uh, you know, and, and that's going to be the storyline and whoever is able to deal with it. But as long as there's no wind, right? 
We can all yeah. deal with the cold as long as there's no wind. I know. Wind is I evil. Know. Wind good, is evil. Good luck in the Midwest. Yeah. 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 Drifting <laughs> is evil. Uh, Gary Sharp with us, the Iron Horse Hail Varsity Weekend Edition. Sharp, it's a dry it's cold. A, it's a dry cold. It's not so there's bad. a lot we can spin the wheel with. Uh, we'll kind of get your take on wrestling and basketball here in a little bit. I want to go to football with you. And um, did you say rest? Did you say wrestling? I said yeah. wrestling. Wrestling. Oh, yeah. There, I thought he wrestling. said Wesleyan at first. I was like, there, we're going. There's my, I just let the pups in from outside. So yeah. it's cold. Forgive me. It's good. It's too um, bad they've been out there since five. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not the case. Thanks. So, nice job, Vic. <laughs> <laughs> Homer Road jersey today for the Vic. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk portal and uh, Nebraska's additions. Is there one of the many additions you like most, the best need or get Nebraska had this week? I don't know. They've been aggressive because they have a sense of urgency and the window has opened up for them to be good next year. I mean, I don't run away, don't run away from a potential top 10 defense, but on the offensive side of the ball, Banks is a big pickup along with Nayor. If Nayor can get over the mental hurdle of getting back on field, but Mazuka is a big, big spot because yeah. You could look at Nebraska's offensive line, guys. And here's the thing. In the portal, would you guys agree? Their portal activity basically has pinpointed starters for next year. Mm-hmm. Yep. These, aren't, yeah. these aren't depth fillers. These are starters. Yep. And I think when you get a guy that's already played in the SEC and has 700-plus snaps last year in the SEC, and he could slide right in at a guard spot where you're, you've lost a, a, a guy that's been a multiple-game starter for you, I think that's huge. But I also look at the offensive line. Nebraska, for the first time, not this, hey, I'd like to play eight guys. Nebraska on the offensive line could have some legitimate depth for the first time in a while. Hmm. Across yeah. the board with the five, I, you know, they still got to build up the tackle position. But I, I think they they are getting to eight to nine guys where it's not just we hope, it's we trust. And that's getting an offensive lineman because you got to protect your guy at quarterback. I think that's, uh, to me, that's the biggest pickup. Yeah, and you have a few different styles and options. You're right, Gary, because I, I feel like right tackle, Bennett is sort of locked down. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Scott at center, probably locked down. That's kind of it, though, right? I, I think both guard spots are – it's truly open competition with Latovsky, with Mazkua, with um, maybe sliding Corcoran in, with Evans, Evans Jenkins. Jenkins, right? So you have some you have some options there. Piper, if he comes back, doubtful, but if he does – uh, left tackle, you still have uh, Prohaska. Corcoran, of course, f- figures into the mix based on his pet. So, yeah, you do have don't, a lot of options. And don't sleep on Sam Sledge. Well, right. Yeah, you, you got some of those cats, and right? Then you have, and then they really like – I think this was a subtle move. Um, and remember, his body is still young, but it's a big body. They are very encouraged and very curious on what Roquan Buckley looks like against Nebraska's mm-hmm. number one defensive line in spring. Shake Shack, yeah. right? That's he was, you know, yeah. Buckley did not. That that wasn't a good position for him. He no. he got washed. He got washed out quite a bit on the defensive line. But he's got a he's got a real good frame. Um, one of the better frames on the team, to be honest. I mean, he he is he's physically gifted, but that was not his spot. That no, was not his spot. No, but instead of throwing the guy away and all of a sudden he's in the portal, they say, you know what? We like his footwork. We got to work on his hands uh, and his hips, but we think he can be an offensive lineman. And you remember, that's not easy to sell. So that that's one thing I, I will give credit to Rule and his staff. 
they have a good job of selling their vision of, okay, it's not working out on defensive line. That's why you came to Nebraska. And, and I know defensive line is a position that, man, you want to play. But if you want to continue to play after college, let's look at offensive line. And to have a young kid, and, and Roquan is still young, to go, no problem, coach. Let's go over there and look. I think that shows a lot about their communication skills that keep guys engaged and keep guys retained and keep guys fighting for uh, positions. Here's another thing that through the portal, guys, have you found it interesting that almost every guy that has come to Nebraska out of the portal at some point during their interviews, they mention NFL. Hmm. Have you picked up on that, guys? Hmm. Well, it's a selling point, first and foremost. I mean, you've got a lot of the staff that came from the NFL. But Rule really, I think, appropriately so, pushes the fact that most guys that he's coached that get to the NFL get a second contract, right? I mean, it, That's one of the, the downfalls with Belichick yeah. as when he moved on, his first and second and third round picks since 2016, none of those dudes got a second contract. With I mean, are we looking at a couple of guys on the offensive side of the ball that could be draft picks in the 25 draft? I mean, you could, have two off- you could have two offensive linemen that, you know, Nebraska, what, Farniak and Hymas were in the same draft, but that's, what, three years ago or so? You know, you could have a guard and a tackle who they believe are NFL guys. I, I truly believe they think Banks is an NFL guy, you know, whether he gets drafted or not, but they feel like he can play at the next level. All of a sudden, they're talking about guys that, you know, we want to have here where they're successful. And then we want to start stacking up NFL guys. You know, mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing with their quarterback. You bring him in. He's got to leave as a guy that's getting ready to be taken high in the draft. I just, mm-hmm. that was just an observation because we don't, we don't, we, we talk about the NFL, but we, we don't really hear players talk about the NFL that are new here. These guys are all talking about going to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Gary, do you see any guys on this roster currently that you think, potentially down the road, maybe not in 25, maybe some younger guys, but could break that, that first round draft drought for Nebraska. Ooh. I don't know. I don't know about first round Elijah, um, but I think they're going to start to stack where you could get four to five guys a year. Um, I'll think on that one. I, I mean, ideally, ideally for the success of Nebraska, your quarterback is a first round pick in about three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one, defensive side of the ball. I'm really high on his his potential development. Prince Will. I think yep. Prince Will is a guy that a couple years down the road could be maybe not a first round guy, but a, a top of the draft type of guy uh, as, a, as an edge rusher. I'm really encouraged by what he was a, as a freshman. And if the development of a Matt Rule program is what he, he says it is, that's a guy that's going to be a, a first, second round draft pick somewhere down the road. Yeah, I think a guy like Cam Lenhart, too. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, guys that wa- so here, here's the thing about development is. We, we, we like to talk about like the three-star guy that develops and turns into a really good player. You know, Nebraska is getting some guys that are highly thought of and, and get some acclaim from websites is they walk in the door and they stay at that level or they take a step up. Those are the guys that move on. I always, I always talk about the 90s teams. Yeah, that they were a great development program, but they had some dudes that came in as dudes and left as even better dudes. And those were the guys that were going on to the NFL, along with the guys that came here that were not as well-known and developed and became NFL guys. Gary Sharp's with us, the Iron Horse. It's Hale Varsity Weekend. Sharpie, how do you feel about the direction of the offense? And When I asked that, you, you pinpointed the, uh, the starters or perceived starters from the portal. 
and the experience on the offensive line. I want to get your take, though, on just the direction they go. You've got Sat, and then, you know, after we got off the, the show last week, you have uh, more talk about Dana Holgerson. He was in town checking out wrestling, whether it's a co-coordinator or an analyst spot. You, you've got uh, some some names in Pittsburgh that, that have ties to rule that who knows at the NFL level, offensive coordinator wise, what Nebraska adds to their offensive staff. Are, do, you, do you think we see a, a better offense, a more consistent offense, more help on the offensive side of the ball? Yes. Now here's, I mean, we all kind of think we know what they want to do offensively, but they will play to the strengths of Dylan Riola. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's how Rule is building his offense, is what is the strength of the quarterback, and then that's what our offense is going to look like. But you don't bring him here to hand the ball off 45 times. Right. Um, so the situation with Holgerson, and now it's a week later that he was here, uh, and, 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 I, and I got this on my show, and I know people have asked you guys, well, what's going on? He was here and he left. So him and Rule have talked ball for a while. I mean, they, they've known each other for a while, and they like talking ball with each other. And – you know, I think there, there there's interest. Um, they would like to have Dana as part of the Nebraska football program, but it's okay if Dana takes his time because remember he got fired from Houston. So yeah. I, I think they're going to give him some time to just relax, kind of decompress, yeah. um, and then decide what he wants to do. But Nebraska has a major interest in him, and I think his interest is mutual, which. You know, we try and figure out what kind of a role it would be. Um, you know, if it doesn't happen in the next week or so, don't get panicked. I think, you know, if it doesn't happen in the next month, then it's probably not going to happen. But but don't don't get don't get excited if it doesn't if it hasn't happened right away because they're giving him some time. But both sides both sides are very very interested. So the problem on offense is they didn't have a lot of creativity, and Rule readily admits that. So you have added players to your roster that give you options at certain position groups like wide receiver and running back. And you add another body and uh, you know, what should be a, a potential starter or at least a, a major rotation guy on the offensive line. Um, and then I think things will fall in line on what they want to do and figure out the offense, but what Dylan Riola's strengths are, that's what the offense is going to be. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. Dow Dow's strengths are, that's what the <laughs> offense is going to be. And I think they'll build it around there, but they like where they're at, you know, moving forward on offense, whatever they're going to do with personnel. There's another thing to keep in mind here, you know, and, and they report today, school starts on the 22nd, they're getting going right away in winter conditioning, is there is that thing coming up in June with the NCAA that they're going to vote on, can analysts be on field as well? Mm. So everybody kind of in, in, in the college football world believes that that's going to get passed. So that could change a lot of things. You could have additions to Nebraska's staff over the next few months that you go, well, there's not a spot for them. Well, in June, there could be a spot for them because analysts can go and work on field, which I think would be great for college football. But, you know, at this point, I I think they're going to they're going to have an offense that uh, is going to be vertical. They're going to throw the ball down the field. Of course, they're going to run it. Um, I don't know. It's curious. The spring football guys is going to be one of the more fascinating springs that Nebraska has had in a long time. One, because of the lure of the quarterback, but also Nebraska's 2024 roster is essentially here for spring. Look yeah. at all the early enrollees, whether they're portal guys or or they signed. 
Nebraska, when they roll out for spring football, outside of like a Caleb Benning, for example, um, that's their 24 roster. So they can get a head start on things. And, of course, on defense, those guys are coming back. Most of them, year two, they don't need to teach them a 3-3-5. They just need to refine the 3-3-5. Um, so, I, I mean, the whole thing is Nebraska's in a good spot right now. They just need to get to the field where they turn the scoreboard on and see if they can get validated for what they've been able to do in a short amount of time in the offseason. It's it's uh, it's interesting because it feels like you can reasonably expect the defense to be as good or better going into year two. I think it's a reasonable thing. Yeah. Offensively, yeah, I mean you were rock bottom. Oh. It, it feels like it feels like you could be you could still be bad but better. <laughs> I, it, knock on wood, I, it's it's hard to imagine they would be worse production wise than last year. So if you look at those two sides of the ball coming up could be kind of a, a different situation. You Now, you mentioned Dowdell. I want to get to him in a bit, but first, Stefan Thompson. That one is very interesting to me. So he played for Tony White a couple years ago, started as a true freshman, and was super productive. Yep. I, I think he is a direct replacement for Reimer in that he's also, even though he's a middle linebacker guy, the way he, the way uh, White likes to use those guys, sometimes he'll line them up on the edge and, and have him uh, – have him come after the quarterback, and he's really good at it. Do, do you expect Thompson to be an immediate starter and immediate contributor? I expect him to be a contributor. I, you know, the, I was at the Outland Banquet the other night, and I'm, I'm looking at Reimer and Henrich, and, and, and then, Schmidt, you brought up Ethan Piper earlier. Mm-hmm. That injury, Ethan explained, he, he basically tore the alphabet of his ligament. So, Ugh. you know, he's kind of a, a wait and see on – wanting to come, not, not, you know, coming back because he's got a long road ahead of him, but back to defense, I'm looking at two guys that have played a lot of football at Nebraska. And I'm thinking they've got some young bucks at middle linebacker, but do they have a guy that can step in and, you know, they don't drop down. When I look at Thompson, the only thing, Mark, I don't ever see any film on him playing middle linebacker. I look at him he's coming off the edge a lot. And I look yeah. at him. Doesn't he yeah. guys, doesn't he seem more like he would be a fit for that Jack position where you have Borders Maybe. and Sherman at right now? Maybe, maybe. And he's a different build, too. He's only 6'1", 250, something like that. But he's sudden. He's quick. He's, he not, like, he's not like a big bowling ball type. He looks like he has a, a, a great eye for the football. Like, yeah. you, can, you can see that right away he knows where the football is going, that he's very studious. Like um, Prince Will. And he's got way. some good closing speed. <laughs> AZ Husker, <laughs> love you. Uh, the main issue. It's been a while uh, since we've been we've been tipped. I mean, we, we got uh, we, we got to read towards, this for the folks that are listening. No, towards the end of uh, the new the old year, uh, before we took our little hiatus, we had money being tipped and thrown at us. And Elijah, did you ever collect that? Is there a uh, is there a bank? <laughs> so if someone tips us money, how do we collect? I think we keep collecting, and then we throw some sort of party. Sometimes I do absolutely enough. We'll With throw Nebraska, a listener party. Yeah, we'll throw a listener show. party at, at Nebraska's bowl game next year. There you we go. all can come and congregate. Hey, do you guys yeah. know that we will – This sh- Brought to you by Cornhead Logger. Yes. <laughs> Elijah's making a great point here. Elijah, we can't hear you, buddy. You're on yeah, mute. You're muted. You can hear me now. You yeah, can hear now. me now. Yeah. First the main time issue ever with bringing Dana Holgerson in is he could be jealous of Schmidt's magnificent head of hair. Thank you, Arizona Husker. Yeah. Uh, we had to read it for the folks on the stream. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would hope that you would read it. If somebody tips, they get immediately read. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Yeah. Stop we, in mid sentence. We, we, yeah, we go through. We go through. Yeah. Right. It's good. You make it rain. Where, where were we? We'll read Forgive your me. thing. 
we're, we're, we're talking defense. We're talking yes. defense. And I, and I made the point yesterday on the Hill of Argus 2 show. I think whenever you look at the defense, the, the, the biggest question mark that remains, really maybe among the, the entire team, in my opinion, is that defensive backroom now with Nebraska going and, fi- and filling their holes on the offensive side of the ball, maybe at linebacker as well with Thompson. Where do you think the, the biggest question marks remain with this Husker football team as we enter 2024, as you look at it on a position-by-position basis? Do I have to stay on defense, or can I go back to offense? You can go back to offense if you'd like. Well, let me let me add one thing about defense, and and I, I see where you're going, Elijah, defensive back. Here's two guys that don't forget about, because when they were healthy, they were in a good spot, Deshaun Singleton and mm-hmm. Dwight Boodle. Mm-hmm. Those are two guys that got hurt that Evan Cooper was like, whoa. When they broke camp, Rule thought that Singleton was one of their best players. Yeah. Um, so – you know where my worry is, and I can't wait to get to spring ball because I can't wait to see how the wide receiver room um, fills out with some older guys that can bring the young guys along, and all of a sudden we get to see a Bell and a Doss more, and you're competing. You know where my biggest concern on this, this team is, along with middle linebacker, hmm. is quarterback. Por qué? Expand. Okay, they have their quarterback <laughs> for 2024. Yeah. Then what? What happens in May to go get another guy? Because got an answer. That's a very young quarterback room. That's a very You're talking about Talia. By then the draft is over. <laughs> so yeah. here, here's here's what you do, Sharpie, and and give me your thought on this. Um, if you don't like what you see at quarterback or your confidence isn't high. All right. What, what, what did my two young pups and Harburg do in this spring? Yeah. How, but I think you how much progress did they make? Yeah. And, I think, I think that's the, you know, you, they're, they're in the mix. Um, yes. Of course. But I think you, you know, just because guys get dinged up now, they're not going to run the quarterback 20 times a game anymore, but you know, they're going to, you know, you, you, you are an injury away from going, uh-oh. So I, I think you add a veteran guy. I, I think, like, like Banks, is, Banks is a starter, but he also strikes me as a mentor. That they right. say, hey, Malachi Coleman. Like it. Malachi Coleman, hey, Jamal, Malachi Coleman is a guy that we really like that has a huge upside, but we got to teach him that every play matters. Can you, can you do it for us? Because he'll listen to you because you've been around the block and you're trying to get to the NFL and we want him to get to the NFL. Boom, there you go. Can they find that kind of a guy at quarterback down the road for that room that is like, I'm coming in to compete and I'm going to drive those guys, but I get it, I get it. You got you got a freshman that's coming in to start. I'm, I'm the typical NFL backup quarterback that is very supportive, that's going to work hard, not going to mess up the quarterback room, and if need be, I'm going to be ready to go. So quarterback actually is like my concern – because of the youth in that room, and you're an injury away from going, oh boy, here we go again. And and maybe also having to change your offense a little bit. Well, Gary, while we're talking quarterback here, the news of the week, Casey Thompson off to Oklahoma. How interest do you or how real do you think that interest, that smoke was uh, about a month ago? Maybe a little less now. None. None. I think the interest was, does he still have his place down by uh the mill in the uh, Haymarket? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think I the interest was was decent or intriguing from Casey to coaches. I just wonder how Casey's teammates were with him coming back. That's 
Schmitty, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard worker, hard worker, productive player, but talented. Dude's, he's going to his fourth school, dude. Yeah, I, I know. Come on, I mean, come on. It's not the Gary Sharp UNL plan of going to school for seven years. <laughs> I mean, what are we doing? They're called doctors. <laughs> Isn't that crazy that Casey Thompson is older than me? Yeah. Whoa. Wow. That wow. That's crazy. Yeah. That was, it's a little crazy. Huh? That's amazing. Eliza, for, Elijah, for your age, you're very talented. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I graduated and, and got out into the workforce. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what you did. You got a bright future, kid. I gave up yeah. my dreams and got a LinkedIn. Hey, can I go back, can I go back to something? <laughs> can I go back to something about defense? LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, yeah. So here's, here's something that uh, I had a conversation with uh, actually the other night. There's and and I think you know the schedule on the back end is going to challenge you with some offenses that are more dynamic. You know Nebraska, we you know, wasn't facing Don Coriel every week in the Big Ten West, but they were able to you know learn as they went. And so there's they're going to be challenged by by a little bit more dynamic offenses as the season goes along. And they could you know could they be a top ten defense? You know last year they were just outside of the top ten, and there were. Uh, a handful of teams in the Big Ten that were top 10 defenses. Here's one thing that I can't I, – I think is pretty important with veteran guys coming back on defense. And you guys, your observation, you can tell me if uh, I'm right or not. They had fun. That was the thing that was yeah. – like, I, I asked a question and they were like, you know what, it was fun playing defense last year. You yeah. know, it didn't take very hard to learn. Um, coaches, you know, they were they were excited to teach it and we grasped it right away. We had fun. It was a joy to play defense. And I'm curious on, with that said, and a spring with essentially your starting 11 on defense and starting and backup 11 that are going to go through spring, what jump they make on defense. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw at the end of the year, they kind of wore down a little bit, especially on the run defense. Yeah. Um, are they going to build some depth so that doesn't happen again? But I really think that defense has a chance to be with a difficult, with a more difficult schedule, still top 15. I mean, if they're top 20, you, your head's above water, correct? Now, you're gonna, a couple big things are going to happen in the middle next year, knock on wood. Remember, Ty Robinson was coming off an injury. He wasn't really in shape until about midseason, right? And you saw how much of a factor he was late in the year. And then now you have Nash, who went down to the wrestling program to drop significant weight. Because his whole thing was, I mean, he's got enough strength to burn. He could lose 30% of his strength and still be above average for his position, right? He's superhuman level strength to where if he can just trim up a little bit, get a little quicker, a little more athletic, which he did this year. So if you have a healthy Robinson and a trimmer and quicker Nash, they're going to screw a lot of things up in the middle for teams. (laughs) I mean, because they they did that some last year even. So if if you have that, that means you're probably getting off the field sooner means you're probably not going to wear down later in the year. You're right, Gary. I think I think it could be a it could be a very good like lights out type defense. They have that potential. They have that potential. They were number have, 11 in the country last year. Have the defense grow a little bit and be as stout and not have some late game leaks is the best way to put it is is I guess the progress get a quarterback that can make some throws, take care of the football and keep um, keep surrounding this young guy who you think can win the job 
with yeah. talent around him. So it's not all on the true freshman. And that's what they kind of have decided to do in the portal with not only helping upgrade the wide receiver room with the, the veteran presence, the mentors, Gary, you're right about that, but I think it's coming together. I mean, I think here too, is a, is a, if I'm rule, I'm looking at it as a, as a build, but I think it could be a fun build uh, in year two with the schedule and the talent they have. I mean, the well, arrow's going up. R- riddle me this real quick too. I, I think one of the more impressive resurrection projects I've seen at Nebraska in a long time, you have to go, I think you have to go back to like Philip Dillard. Um, it's Tommy nice. Hill. It's Tommy Hill. Tommy Hill was a liability on Frost's uh, last team. He was a liability. He had to take him off the damn field. You just could, you couldn't keep him on the field. He was not interested in hitting anybody. Just couldn't do it. By the end of last year, he looked even even against Iowa. I think you all will remember the play I'm talking about, where you know quarterbacks throwing kind of across the field on an out pattern. Hill was giving up safe. I don't know, two, three yards and his closing speed. You just, you just don't see it at corner a lot. Like he's got, he has a chance to become maybe that lockdown type corner. And if you have that too, you can take away the best receiver. You got some dudes up the middle. Just, am I putting a little too much stock in, in Tommy Hill here, Gary, or do you think he's truly been resurrected and kind of like refurbished and, and he's, he's a dude now. Um, I don't know. I want to wait and see. Like he's he's in that list of guys that have to take the next jump. We can we can sit here and be encouraged and excited about a potential top ten defense. But there are like Nash has got to be better. Ty Robinson has got to be better. There's guys that have to make that jump. Like Javen Wright is a guy to keep an eye on, guys. Yeah. I think going back to our earlier discussion about NFL, he's a guy that with his position and his size. Man, he's a guy that could be NFL, but he's got to take a jump. It's that's why spring I think is important for the defense. I, I mean, I kind of want the defense to just dominate the spring, mm-hmm. um, because you know guys are taking jumps, they're getting better. That would be a great sign. Here's the big thing with Rule and his staff is they believe that year two is when guys really pop. You know, for guys that like like Chuba, the thing for for Chuba or any of the the portal guys that were here last year that maybe didn't you know, jump off the page is they're like, we think year two, you'll be fine. You know, they've always talked about year two. Well, I think they've sped up everybody into year two, including the program as a whole is that we're all ready to pop and make that jump. And if you hang in there, look what's going to happen in year two, but there's across the board, there's guys that had a really, really good year on defense, but if they have the same year, aren't we kind of disappointed? Yeah, it would be a good year. Like if if Ty Robinson has the same year, we'd be like, all right, that's good. But, man, I'm thinking if Ty came back, he came back for a reason to make that jump. And if he makes that jump, I mean, watch out. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if the the hope there is that he makes the same kind of commitment that Sue did. Not not that I'm not saying he's going to be Sue. Sue is one of the best in the history of the game. Um, But he made a conscious decision to be great after he got the NFL, after he got his NFL report back. You know, his NFL report going into, I believe it was his junior year, because he, he thought about leaving. He, he put his hat in the draft. He didn't tell a lot of people about it. But when he went into uh, going into his junior year, they said he can't use his hands. They said he can't pass rush very well. Uh, so it kind of lacked lateral quickness, things like that. All stuff that became hallmarks of his game. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I think it so but it took a certain level of commitment. 
he, he lost probably 20 pounds. He, you know, he really got after it. I, I just get a sneaking suspicion that Ty is going to make us a, a similar commitment there and could really, uh, could, could really improve. I don't know why else he's coming back. Yeah. In, unless he's going to do that. Right. Um, we, we said we were going to get to Dowdell and we didn't. Let's go back to running back real quick. Uh, I look at him on film. I don't necessarily see a can't miss starter. I, I don't necessarily see that. I see, I think he's kind of like a gay bourbon type. I think he's kind of like, he reminds me a bit of like a Darren Diedrich. He doesn't have breakaway speed. He's got pretty good moves. He's very physical, very physical. Uh, so he'll be really good at that. But I don't, I don't see it. Do you see a can't miss number one tailback out of that pickup? Yes. Right, right away. Yes, I, I can't believe you. You you are you just put him in the category of Darren Diedrich. Yeah, come, come on, no, 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 no. Go look no, at his film. No, no, no. He gets hopped. No, he gets no, hopped. no, no, no. He, no, no. Have, he can't break. No, away. no, no. So he can't break away. Dowdell, he's a one cut running back. When was the yeah. last time Nebraska had a true one cut running back? Now, Amir. Okay. Yeah. Now you got to do something after that cut. I'm with you there on Mark. Yeah. But this he's not guy, as fast as Amir. This guy has. Well, we're not comparing him to Amir. I am. Okay, then you can compare him to Amir. Thank you. He he is if if he's not one of your top running backs, then he is then, one of your top. Yeah, he's, he he's, he's probably one your, he's probably your day one starter at running back. Mm. Why does everybody count out Emmett Johnson? No, 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 we're not counting out Emmett Johnson, and I'm with you. I, I don't know why. And and remember, I was not on board with Emmett Johnson. I've come mm. around. I've thrown him his flowers. He proved me wrong. Good on him. He's he's gonna get carries but in terms of nebraska having a true three down running back they got that guy that guy that guy went to high school in mississippi he went all the way out to eugene and then he said nebraska is the right place for me one thing i, mean, I like i okay. mean mark mark you love ibex i mean you were gonna name your firstborn amon okay <laughs> when when a, when a guy no. that has no connection to nebraska starts reminiscing about guys from the 90s Oh, you're like, man, give the guy the starting job for the next 10 years. <laughs> but with that said, he's a one-cut guy that I think has something that the running backs currently need to be better at is vision. Okay? Mm, yep. Now, that's got to be taught day to day. Is like the vision of you see things, you anticipate things, boom, you're in the hole. I see that. I don't watch a lot of his Oregon film because there's – There's, there's really, not a lot of it. Yeah. But go back and watch him which in high school. Which tells you something. Which go back and watch him in high school. And that's why I like him and what I think he can do in this offense. Well, Mark, let's let's turn it around. Do any other running backs currently in Nebraska's roster playing five games for Oregon last year? Mm, maybe not. Maybe not. But here, here's the thing. I just don't think you have in that running back room. I just don't think you have. <laughs> let's see. The roster is better. But, you know, like, okay. Um Thank you, just, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tip us too? <laughs> Gary, Gary in the comments. This Gary is in like, the comments. <laughs> Gary just Gary just broke the fourth wall. He's commenting on his own show. Hey, 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 one before you go any further, because I think it was last week that we got into this Irvin discussion. I, I, that's a, that's also another big injury that he has to come back from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wait, I, I said this a month ago. I think Gabe Irvin could make a great fullback. Uh, yeah. See, I oh, okay. See, Gabe Irvin has been. I, I think you just got another kind of Gabe Gabe Irvin type. I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm not saying Dowdell is trash. What I'm saying is that 
I don't think Nebraska has that can't miss three down, no doubter type dude like Amir. I just don't think they have that guy because Dante, what I do like from his high school film is that he did run a lot of power stuff. He ran out of the eye. He ran toss. He ran counter. So he's not he's not necessarily just that shotgun zone read type. So he's used to getting downhill. He squares his shoulders. He's got some stuff there. He's physical. Um, But he you know, I I just don't he's not he's he's getting hawked by like Mississippi DBs in high school. You know, I just he doesn't break away. But he could be effective between the tackles. He's one of the dudes. I just don't think they have the dude at just be right just now be able to miss. run the damn ball when you when you yeah. need third and three is is really yeah. all I give a crap about. Well, here here's the thing. Listen, here's listen the thing. Dion's telling me I should give up now. You just watch, man. Mark my words. Mark my words. Huh. Huh. Uh, I don't know. Pun intended on the mark. Yeah, like that. I, Elijah, I, my words. I can't wait to have this conversation in August with Ukrainic. Let's go. Um, let's go. But here, <laughs> here's, what, here's what you guys have talked about. I've talked about the great unknown about this offense is we don't know how it's going to elevate guys with a competent quarterback. What's it going to do for the offensive line when they have a better feel of when the quarterback's going to get rid of the ball or mm-hmm. he's not going to hold it too long or what a good running back does for the quarterback or what the quarterback does to elevate the wide receivers because he's throwing them open or he's throwing a good ball, or when they get open, he sees them. That's the mystery of this season that you can't put your finger on until you actually see it is how do guys elevate each other? You know, how does the, the offensive line all of a sudden may look better with a competent quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I mean, they all go, they all have to go hand in hand. That's why I'm encouraged by Nebraska's plan in the portal is Raiola fell back into their lap, and then all of a sudden you said, that guy can be really good, but I don't want him to be the miracle worker. We will only go as far as the the 10 on the field with him. Yeah, And then, and- and then you just roll the dice, and you're like, man, if we get what we think, we're cooking with peanut oil, but what do we do to improve the 10 around him? And you look at the wide receiver room, you look at running back, you look at offensive line. They have taken care of that where they have they have constructed the roster into options for a quarterback who day one is going to be your starting quarterback. I mean, there's no denying we're, we're in an, we're, we're in an era right now of Nebraska football with a quarterback that we don't know. We've never seen this before. I mean, last Thursday guys, his dad is calling around to the local recruits that have committed to Nebraska or are already on Nebraska's roster that live in the area. And he's saying, Hey, we're going to have a throwing session down in Lincoln on Thursday. We got a couple of recruits portal guys that are here that, that Dylan's going to throw to. Do you guys want to come down and be a part of it? Mm-hmm. What's what's going on? What, what's going on here? I mean, that's just that's rally that's, the troops. That, yeah, right? that's, that's great to see. Yeah. But you know, it's just uh, I, I think we're gonna everybody's going to have to complement each other on the offense. It can't just be you know the quarterback that all of a sudden just takes over and he is you know your miracle worker. It's the balance of being giddy about what you have at quarterback and also the the realization of the patience you're going to have to have, but you can fix that patience by building the other 10 around him. Hmm. Mazkua, uh, last thing, sorry. Mazuka. 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 Like Mazuka. Why, why are there like two C's right after the Z then? It's, it's crazy. The guy's name. We got to figure that out. We got to figure, like by Val, you know, by Val guy. Hey, Mazuka. hey, hey, he, okay. you, you keep knocking him. He's going to show I'm not. up to your front door. He's going to treat you like that Tennessee defensive back. This is my <laughs> uh, that, was, that was a bad moment. This for, is my uh, point. For Tennessee. This is my point. The dude's like 335, and he he's a, he's a run-blocking extraordinaire. 
Um, I, I think I think that upgrades your run game significantly. Look, he started at Baylor. He started at Florida. He's going to start. <laughs> Do you think he's going to ride the bench behind Latovsky or Sledge or Evans Jenkins? I think he starts. You pair him next to, say, Ben Hart, that right side will be be pretty mean. Do, do you expect that too? Do you expect just the addition of him? Because he's nimble too. He's not just some road grader. The guy, he's like athletic. Yeah. I think you can get him out on some pools and all that. Um, the amount of I, money I, I would pay to watch an inside run drill of Mazuka against Nash Hutmacher. Oh. <laughs> That's a good call. That's pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Sharpie. I, I think he drastically hey, changes that here, run game. Here, here, here's one other thing I thought about because I can't get Mark's love affair with Gabe Irvin out of my head. Do you you think in 2024, Nebraska football might bring back the screen game? They need to. Will Nebraska have a quarterback and a running back that they can play just simple pitch and catch to run a screen game with these road graders out in front? It's been too long since I've seen a good old-fashioned swing pass, Gary. Maybe they can bring that. No. The (laughs) swing pass is still on hold. Come on, Ramir. The screen game. With Mazuka and Scott, I think you've got some athleticism, don't you, Sharpie? A healthy Ramir, a healthy Ramir. Hmm? I, I think you just have a quarterback that probably is going to be able to play pitch and catch. Yeah, there's yeah. touch. I mean, that's yeah, that's 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 a big part of it. Where then you be then you have a comfort level of okay, if we run this, we know that it's going to be at least the first part of it will be executed with just getting the ball out of the quarterback's hand into the running back, and then let him do the rest with the boys in front. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sharpie, real quick, uh, as we wrap. we always say that on this segment, and we no, I, I've got to take I got to take Junior to to work because of the snow. So tell him to walk. No, Lazari's uh, is where the the monkey will be a little bit later. So, uh, okay, cold thought builds on, character. It, it does. Uh, <laughs> thought on Nebraska basketball and, and and Husker wrestling last night. Kind of a, a thought after a pretty exciting. We're going to end the show like that. Jeez, Chris, it's sad. It's depressing. You know, uh, it's, re- it's real. <laughs> I mean, reality. <laughs> I, I I think you know Iowa is Iowa for a, a bit for wrestling, mm-hmm. um, and they they won a couple of key matches. Uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people focused on Nash. It looked like Nash kind of ran out of gas last mm-hmm. night, which is fine. Um, but Iowa is, you know, one of the top teams in the Big Ten, and Nebraska wrestling is good, but you just got to build your depth on the roster on that standpoint. It's unfortunate that with the snow last night, because I was going to be there, the Vanny would have been packed. Yeah. I mean, it's a great atmosphere. Iowa supports their wrestling program like none other, and why not? Um, they're a national championship program, and Nebraska wrestling has great diehard fans. It would have been full. That's too bad. But, I mean, you're not going to – I don't think Mark Manning's waking up this morning. And, and by the way, great interview that you two had with him earlier in the week. And, and he's waking up and going, boy, there's our season. I think he's like, you know what, Iowa – Iowa's Iowa's Iowa. They're a little bit deeper. And, and they won a couple of key uh, matches throughout the night. Basketball, that is Nebraska on the road this year. They don't play defense. They have trouble running guys off the three-point line. Look at Purdue. It's a make-or-miss sport. You can be Captain Obvious here, but it's make or miss. Look at Iowa hit threes. Purdue hit threes. If Nebraska's not hitting threes on Tuesday night, maybe that game's a little bit different. Um, It's just they go on the road and their defense goes out the window. And I was really disappointed by the start. Yeah, they rallied. But then they they just looked 
like they hadn't seen a zone. It took them about 10 minutes to find seams in the I was zone. just saying that. Yeah, yeah and, we were talking but, about that. And, and I knew, I, hey, I said on my show, I said, this might be like an 89-88 game, but you got to find a way to score 89 because I know you're going to give up 88. And they got to fix that on the road. I don't think it derails them because Fred's done a good job with this team of they respond and they wash things out. But sure. I'm, glad, I'm glad that they were uncomfortable last night and they were disappointed. And they got a little bit of time before they go back on the road. Um, but, you know, they're still, they're still in, the, in the mix of chatter about the NCAA tournament. Remember, it's January 13th. Here's the thing you got to think about. I don't think the Big Ten's going to get their seven, eight bids. I mean, I think maybe the Big Ten is a five or six bid league. And I think three of those are already accounted for in Purdue, Illinois, and Wisconsin. Ohio State's there. You never know what's going to happen with Michigan State. Northwestern which comes to town next Saturday. So you got to take care of business. First and foremost, you got to win at home, and then you're going to have to sneak a couple of games on the road. But, boy, you you got to shore up your defense on the road because that's an issue at Minnesota, Wisconsin, and now Iowa. And everybody in the Big Ten sucks on the road this year so far. There's only – Wisconsin's the only one with a winning record on the road in conference so far. Um, Wisconsin, in in some projections, I mean, Purdue's your number one overall seed right now as we talk – January, but Wisconsin I've seen as high as two. So it's one thing to, to lose to Wisconsin like you did last Saturday, right? They kind of did what they wanted. They're really good. But for Nebraska to just not look interested defensively or just settle offensively, I think that's what's pissed yeah. off a lot of Nebraska basketball fans this morning. Yeah. Yeah, it's the ghosts of, Baska- of Nebraska basketball pass that you were very leery about last night. Like – if Tuesday night got you over the hump and you're like, man, here we go. And this team is different. There's a different vibe. And they're a good T-E-A-M. It's the ghosts of Nebraska ball past. You were not expecting to win last night because Nebraska doesn't do that. They're, if they would have won last night, that probably would have been more convincing than beating Purdue at home. Yeah. Well, it's a follow-up, you know? Yeah, yeah so. but, but they, they have another opportunity. They cannot drop two in a row against Rutgers. But it's weird. We've all broken down like this season now in four game stretches. And if I would have told you, man, okay, you got Wisconsin, you got Purdue, you got Iowa, and and then Indiana's in there as well. If you can go two and two, I'll take it. But doesn't kind of two and two in that stretch make you go, oh, yeah, could have been three and one. I know I'm not. I'm not going to panic. I might be a little bit uncomfortable if the defense doesn't get better against Rutgers. But that's a good offense they faced last night that hit shots and. You know, they really you had, did. You, you had no answer. And tip of the cap to Iowa. They can play offense. They don't normally play defense, but they threw that zone on. And that was a that was a mystery machine. You were uh, shocked about Saban. You shocked mm-hmm. about DeBoer. Um, Saban, no, maybe now. Yes. But you could tell. And I'm glad that he brought up. I, I, I it's because of my age. You know, people are it, people are asking. Same thing happens to John Cook. People, sure. Kids are like, hey, are you going to be here for all four years? You know, what's going to go on? And, you know, they're asking Saban that. And he has to be honest. And I'm glad he was real. I mean, sometimes Saban is this like figure that we go, oh, my God, who is that guy? He's not real. He kind of gave you some reality of I'm 72 years old and this is a grind. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not surprised with DeBoer. And I will tell you this. I think the game of college football needs more Kellen DeBoers. Mm. Guys that don't wake up on third base. But as they round the bases, they learn something at every stop. And yeah. that's a DeBoer. Yeah. That's a Leipold. That's a Willie Fritz. Guys yeah. that didn't show up and they were a coordinator and they got a big-time job because their boss left or retired, 
They started mm-hmm. grinding as GAs, film guys, and they worked their way up. And at every mm-hmm. stop where you don't have the luxury of 50 people that help you on a daily basis, they had to learn things and put them in the toolbox that have made them better football coaches. Leipold doing what he did from Nebraska to Omaha to Wisconsin, Whitewater to Buffalo to KU. We see the result. DeBoer is the same. I like the outside-the-box thinking by Greg Byrne and also his honesty with his players is we're going to get this done in 72 hours. He got it done in 48. I think football-wise, it's a really good hire. But there are other things about the SEC where you got to have some swag and you got to be able to be a jerk. And Mm. DeBoer doesn't strike me as a jerk, but I'm sure he's going to learn pretty quickly to be a jerk. I think it is a really good football hire. But again, college football benefits when we get more Kellen DeBoers and Lance Leipold's that are in key positions. Amen. Gary, last thought here. Actually, give me, uh, before I go down to the sports book, your NFL lock of the weekend. Ooh. I would say, well, A.J. Brown just got ruled out for the Eagles. So check out that line. Tampa. Yeah. Um, I I would say the Steelers plus 10. That weather's yes. going to be awful. There may not be a lot of points in that game, and you never know who Josh Allen is playing for. That's a good yeah. take, but I so refuse the, to bet the on Mason Rudolph. Steelers and the unders. <laughs> yeah. I refuse mm. to bet on Mason Rudolph, so that, that's a good thought. Yeah, but you're getting, you're getting 10 points, though. But you're also but betting against Tomlin. By, but he's coached by yeah. Glenn Thomas. Yeah. Oh, I, see, I, I see what you did there. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I'm not touching it. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Sharpie, mm-hmm. stay warm. Have a great call tonight with uh, the Mavs, all right? Hey, thanks, guys. As always, I love this conversation. I will see you Same. guys next Saturday. Appreciate it. Godspeed, you. Appreciate Gary. You. Thank you. Dowdell for Heisman. Dowdell for Heisman. That is Mark Cranach, who's cold. <laughs> That's Elijah Herbal. Chris Schmidt will be back at you next time. Uh, subscribe on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Excuse me. That is uh, where you can watch the show. Hail Varsity Radio Twitter at HVarsity Radio, KFOR Facebook, KFOR Twitter. And back Monday as uh, we'll check in with you on Hail Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. Thanks for listening. See you at the Sportsbook, Spinny.